It's time for a wellness revolution. Brought to you by Hotsi Health and Wellness Center. Honest discussion on maintaining health and wellness naturally to enjoy a better quality of life. He's the doctor fighting to let you keep your doctor. Now, Dr. Stephen Hotsi. Dr. Hotsi's Wellness Revolution podcast is brought to you by Physicians Preference Pharmacy, formerly Hotsi Pharmacy. Welcome to Dr. Hotsey's Wellness Revolution. I'm Stacey Banfield here with Dr. Stephen Hotsey, founder of the Hotsey Health and Wellness Center. And today we've got a fascinating conversation with Dr. Stephen Sinatra. And Dr. Sinatra is going to be talking to us about the root cause of heart disease, how to treat it naturally, and maybe, maybe he'll even throw in some tips for our furry friends. I know he's got a passion for animals as well. Dr. Hotsey. Thanks so much, Stacey, and thank each one of you for joining us here on my wellness revolution, Dr. Hotsey's wellness revolution. Yeah, we're leading a wellness revolution to change the way men and women are treated in midlife and as they mature. So as you mature, you regain and maintain health and wellness naturally so you enjoy a better quality of life. We have with us today a very influential and famous cardiologist here in the United States, Dr. Stephen Sinatra. You may have known of Dr. Sinatra. He's got wonderful websites. He's written numerous books on natural approaches to health in cardiology and in other health, uh, other, other health issues. Dr. Sinatra uh, is a board-certified cardiologist, which I really like to find cardiologists that have adopted in their lifetime a change and a transition from conventional medical care, which involves primarily uh, the use of drugs to mask symptoms and surgery, to a transition where he approaches people's health problem, trying to get at the root cause of the problem, solving the root cause, which can't be solved with pharmaceutical drugs. It has to be solved naturally. God has given the body amazing regenerative and restorative powers. And if we work within that, uh, within that plan, you can help people get healthy and well and off all the pharmaceutical drugs. And Dr. Sinatra is a physician that does that. He, uh, he lives in, in two places. Now, he, he really is originally from Connecticut, and that's where, that's where he had his main practice of cardiology. He was the head of and director of uh, cardiac rehabilitation. And uh, in 1987, he founded the New England Heart Center. He's been the director of uh, medical education at the hospitals, at which he's worked for numerous years. And then sometime in the, was it in the 1980s or 1990s, Doc, that you decided that, there, that you were going to consider transitioning from the conventional methods that you had been trained in to more natural approaches. Tell us about what caused your transition and when that occurred. I actually had a conversation with Jacob Rintz. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget it. I was a young cardiologist. I passed my boards. I was boarded in internal medicine and, and cardiovascular disease. And uh, I had a patient from Ohio who came into my office in Connecticut. And he was working with a, um, a Dutch chemist called Jacob Rintz, who was like 93 years old. I'll, I'll never forget the conversation. The long and short of it was that he had severe coronary artery disease, and he told me that he corrected his coronary artery disease with targeted nutritional supplements. And here I was, 
board certified in cardiology. He's talking about phosphatidylserine, magnesium, phosphatidylcholine, vitamin E derivatives. You know, Dr. Holtzi, I didn't even know what he was talking about. <laughs> I mean, honest. I mean, I at that young period of my life, He's talking about all these targeted nutraceuticals that help the heart, and here I am, you know, a, a cardiologist, you've never heard specialist. of. And I said, it was like Greek to me. So when I asked him, I said, by the way, how old are you? He says, 93. I go, what? And he was funny and erudite and smart. I go, geez, if I ever made it to 93, well, I'd like to be just like you. <laughs> and then he says to me, well, you've got to do this, 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 and this. <laughs> so at that very moment in my life, I became a uh, conventional cardiologist in recovery. <laughs> So now, to speak. now, now, prior, prior to that, you were a spokesman for the drug companies on several yes, of the I cardiovascular. Was, yeah. What products were you promoting at that time? Well, I, I believed in the uh, cholesterol theory of heart disease, and uh, I used to uh, lecture when I was chief of cardiology at my institution. I used to um, lecture on uh, arthrosclerosis, uh, heart attack, congestive heart failure, et cetera, et cetera. And then I'll never forget it. It was back in the late 1980s um, or early 90s. I, I read a, an article from India. Uh, it was in the Indian Medical Journal, and it was talking about statin drugs being incredible cholesterol killers. But then they also knocked out the endogenous formation of coenzyme Q10, and I started to use CoQ10 in my practice in the early 80s. And I became so enthralled with it because I saw the, the impact CoQ10 had on my patients. So around the, when I, I, I was in this incredible dilemma, here I was, chief of cardiology at my institution, lecturing on statin drugs, but yet a CoQ10 expert at the same time. And I said, well, how can something be really good for the heart if it takes out one of the major nutrients that support the heart? So I had this unbelievable dilemma, and I said to myself, well, I... I better stop lecturing on statin drugs. So I called Pfizer and Merck, and I told them I wasn't going to do it any longer. Uh, and uh, I d devoted you know, most of my attention into uh, coenzyme Q10 and alternative cardiology. But I will say this. I will say this. Um, in acute cardiology, um, where we have people with heart attack or dissection of the aorta or you know, um, you know, I've seen women with pregnancy who have went to heart failure, for example. You need pharmaceutical drugs. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, you, you, there's a time to use pharmaceutical drugs, and uh, that can be lifesavers for people. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm blessed in a way where, uh, you know, I'm an alternative cardiologist, but I'm also a conventional cardiologist. So th there is a time for pharmaceutical drugs. And even, even the consideration... Uh, of a low-dose statin. You know, one of the things that I realized, because, again, I lectured for the drug companies, I did have a belief in statins, but over the years, when I looked at all the, the literature, and the one study that had the greatest impact on me was the West of Scotland study. I don't know if you remember this, Dr. Holtz. It came out about, oh, about, geez, 25 years ago. But I'll never forget it because I've been to Scotland, and, uh, you know, the smoking there is uh, crazy. I mean, a lot of young men smoke. Right. And in this study, this study was amazing. They took young men, and they had to be smoking two packs of cigarettes a day. <laughs> they were at high risk. Right. They were at very high risk. And they gave these men statin drugs. Now, the researchers, the researchers who put out the article, uh, bless their heart, they said they thought that the statin users did 
better than the non-statin uses, but it had nothing to do with cholesterol. What they said, which made a lot of sense to me, was that the statin drugs were changing the shape of red blood cells, like going through the spleen, for example. It was making the red blood cells more slippery, um, and they were talking about the pleiotrophic effects of statins. In other words, it wasn't the cholesterol lowering, but it was the blood thinning and the antioxidant effect of the statin that was contributing to uh, these men, you know, being slightly better than their counterparts who didn't take a low-dose statin. So when I looked at these studies and I researched statins uh, um, uh, on my own, and I I wrote an article in in one of the major journals uh, around the year 2000 about the, the, the hazards and the benefits of statins, it, it occurred to me that statins do have a bright side, and the bright side is blood thinning and an antioxidant effect. The dark side is that they kill a nutrient that is vital for the heart. So what's the bottom line on statins for me? I'll tell you this. In, in, in men over the age of 75, I'm out on statins. I don't use them because I worry about uh, uh, memory uh, situations. Sure. Women, I give very, very few women statins. I mean, I can't think of maybe one hand I would give a woman a statin because women get more side effects than men. Children with statins, they do that in England, for example. I, I, I don't do it. Unless, unless if they have familial hypercholesterolemia where they're running cholesterols of five, six, seven hundred. Um, but, you know, about 3% of our population, uh, you know, do have, you know, that problem and, and, and they will need a statin. But I like a low-dose statin, and I'm, not, I'm talking 5, 10 milligrams. I'm not talking 60, 80, 100 milligrams. I'm talking very low dose. I like a low-dose statin with at least 100 to 200 milligrams of CoQ10 in young men under the age of 75 where I'm looking to get blood-thinning effect and also an antioxidant and an anti-inflammatory effect. Do you remember years ago when we used to use Nystatin for fungal infections? Sure. And we still do now, here. Yeah, we and st- we still do. And remember, this that's called nystatin. Right. So nystatin is an anti-inflammatory. And, and the way that, that I believe statins work in some people is that they're anti-inflammatory. Right. But they have a dark side and a light side. So if you can shore up the light side and plug in the dark side by giving at least 100 to 200 milligrams of CoQ10, and if you don't give the traditional doses, but the lower doses, and, you know, you give omega-3s, vitamin E, and all these things that are good, you know, for the heart as well, um, you know, then you can make a difference in the person's life. Well, that's right. Now, you've written numerous books, but one book that has really caught my eye, or caught my eye, was your book entitled The Great Cholesterol Myth. Now, there have been numerous books written about the whole myth of tying cholesterol to heart disease. That was Ansel Keys's uh, right big, and he was a he was a PhD back in the '60s and '70s who came up with the hypothesis that it's elevated cholesterol that causes heart disease. Whereas in fact, or heart attacks. Whereas in fact, we know this. Half the people that have heart attacks have normal cholesterol. Half the people have elevated cholesterol. And uh, there's been numerous books written. One of them, of course, is your book, The Great Cholesterol Myth. Uh, there's a book, The Big Fat Surprise. And now, now we're even seeing uh, the, the public has really embraced this whole concept of, of, uh, of eating fat. 
And we're talking about ketogenic eating programs where they eat excessive amounts of fats trying to keep their weight down. And and as a matter of fact, it doesn't cause any increased risk of heart disease. I know that because I eat ketogenically and I eat a lot of good natural oils and fats. And I've got a zero calcium score on my arteries. And I've got reasons for that. I think it's due to the vitamin C I take. But tell us about... Tell us about your, tell us about your concept here that you wrote the great cholesterol myth. Tell us what your philosophy and your yeah, perspective mean, yeah, is they, on cholesterol. Yeah, I mean, first of all, actually, the great cholesterol myth. I wrote it about seven years ago. Right. And and then we did an uh, a um, not like a re-edition, but I I I I did a rewrite of it and I improved it about five years ago. And now Johnny Bowden and I are rewriting it again because, um, you know, what we said seven years ago still rings true, and we're tweaking it again. So we're coming out with a new edition in 2020, I think. I think in the next few months, uh, where, um, you know, again we we looked at the literature, the more recent studies, et cetera, et cetera. So you know, you are correct. There is a great cholesterol myth. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt about it. I mean, what is the myth? You know, people, what is the myth? Well, the myth is this. The myth is this. We need cholesterol. I right. Mean, we have to. I mean, cholesterol is vital for our memory. I mean, this is amazing. But, you know, we need cholesterol to improve the synapses in our brain. I mean, you know, we, neurons talk to one another uh, because they need fat in the brain. And, uh, you know, fat is very, very important. Um, you know, cholesterol in the skin um, uh, with sunlight converts from vitamin to D. Vitamin D. You know, with the sunlight and the cholesterol on the skin forms vitamin D. We need it. And look at cholesterol. It's the basis of all our hormones. Right. <laughs> whether you're a man or a, or a female, whether it's, you know, pregnenolone, progesterone, testosterone. I mean, it's, it's one of the basic foundation blocks of our hormones. And, and, and cholesterol, by the way, in a young child with MRSA staph, which is fatal for a lot of these kids, adults too, well, guess what? The kids with the highest cholesterol levels combat MRSA staph, which, you know, there's no antibiotics for. So there's something about cholesterol that is healing to the body. Uh, we can't vilify it. I'll, t- I'll tell you this, Dr. Holsey. I think the, the real cholesterol story is what we call LP little a. This is the real cholesterol story, and I've written about this for years. In fact, some of my colleagues in the New England area wrote about this, uh, oh, about 15 years ago, where LP little a, which is by the way, st- cholesterol pot, pot I, pot. let me just, folks, LP little a is lipoprotein. It's a combination of the cholesterol with the protein in the blood, and it, in, in certain types have different designations. This is lipoprotein A. And so, doctor, uh, go ahead and explain about that. Yeah, it's, it's a very small cholesterol p- particle. It has what we call a disulfide bridge. And um, it's very, very inflammatory. And what's worse, it causes blood clotting at the same time. So um, I was looking for LP little a as a culprit in coronary disease 20 years ago. Uh, and I was testing it in my patients. And sure enough, I was seeing high LP little a's associated with coronary disease. Now, here's the problem. Statin drugs can make an LP little a worse. 
In other words, it can it can make it even angrier. Uh, and what lowers LP little a? Well, niacin can help do it, but a lot of people can't tolerate niacin. Uh, natokinase uh, has worked. Uh, I really like lumbrokinase. Uh, you know, it's a product from Canada. They call it Baluki. Uh, but what I found with uh, over the last again 20 years, when the BioGenome Project was sort of discovered in 1993. Now we're learning that there are a lot of people, healthy, quote, Americans, that have what we call spontaneous mutations uh, in their genetic profile. And now we think that LP little a is much more common than we thought it was before 1993. And, and I suggest to all cardiologists in the country uh, to test this one risk factor. A lot of people don't test it. A lot of doctors don't test it because there's really no drugs that can neutralize it. So if a doctor says, well, there's nothing that can really help it, I mean, what, why should I even look at it? But remember, targeted nutraceuticals, I mean, even omega-3s may be, might be able to neutralize some of the harmful, what we call thrombogenesis, thrombogenesis or blood clotting capabilities of LP little a. But I, I look for it in my patients. I think it's, I think it's the cholesterol story, uh, yet a lot of you know, board-certified cardiologists don't even check it, which you know, that, that confuses me to a, to a degree. Okay, so if if cholesterol, so your perspective would be what that cholesterol isn't the underlying cause of heart attacks and heart disease. Correct. Look, cholesterol brings a small amount to the table, uh, but the attention it gets is far. It gets so much more attention than, let's say, insulin, for example. Look, let's face it. I mean, we have a hundred million plus diabetics in the country whether they're insulin resistant, type 2 diabetics, juvenile diabetics. And, and we know that surges of insulin are incredibly pro-inflammatory and it causes endothelial cell dysfunction. So what people need to do is really, you know, we focus on cholesterol as the enemy, but <laughs> we need cholesterol, you know, right. because it sells a lot of drugs, et cetera, et cetera. And again, like I said, and you know, in, in young men with coronary disease, I like to give a low dose statin, uh, especially with CoQ10. But there are far greater risk factors we need to focus on, and you know, one of them is the insulin relationship, the, the diabetes, the obesity that we face in our society. Because again, whenever you know we have obesity or increased weight status. A lot of the pro-inflammatory cytokines, you know, the messengers or the, the inflammatory mediators, they live in fat cells. So if you take away their home, you know, if you cut down on the weight or the fat in our body, this cuts down on the inflammation. And every board-certified cardiologist on the planet agrees that inflammation is the root cause of heart disease, you know, not cholesterol. I mean, we're in agreement with that right now. So we must... And I would say we, we must, you know, reduce the inflammatory components, uh, you know, in our bloodstream. And uh, um, well, let's talk. Know. Let's talk about what. And th and this is really important, folks. Listen up to this. What are the causes of inflammation in your body, particularly your coronary arteries? And I like to say, you can have inflammation in your body, but it's going to settle and it's going to manifest itself most commonly in the coronary arteries because they're under such stress at all times. Your heart's beating 72 times a minute, 100,000 times an hour. 
And so as you're looking, if, if my hand is the heart and this vein on the back of my hand is the left anterior sending artery, if it's inflamed and I'm beating 72 times a minute, my heart is, and it's stretching, so it's compressing and stretching that inflamed artery, that's causing a problem, and the body doesn't want that inflammation to continue. It's got to heal it. Now, historically, um, or, or primarily, the body's mechanism to heal that artery is to lay down a nice uh, collagen layer of protein to heal it. You need vitamin C to do that. That's why Dr. Linus Pauling and Matthias Rath viewed coronary artery disease as low-grade scurvy of the coronary arteries. It's just what enough vitamin C in the body to, to uh, produce enough collagen to heal the arteries. So what the body does is a backup mechanism is it takes the lipoprotein A, it sequesters it, and uses it as a Band-Aid to patch the deteriorating artery. It's this backup mechanism. So the cholesterol is really a solution to the problem. It's not causing the problem. If you didn't have right. any cholesterol, you have no way to pa- you had no lipoprotein A. You're not going to be able to patch over this diseased artery. And as you patch over the artery, then the body has a mechanism by which it attracts calcium to make that artery rigid, which was deteriorating. And it makes sense initially. You want a nice. You want your artery to be rigid. You don't want it to be falling apart. So this is one of the backup mechanisms that God put in the body. But the problem is you have continued inflammation. Uh, then your artery becomes narrower and narrower, and if you throw a plaque off somewhere upstream or a clot, it clogs up into the into the narrowed artery, and you have a heart attack. So that's that's the story of inflammation. If that's the way I view it and explain it, tell me is that is that an oversimplification or is that somewhat on track? No, you're on track, 100. percent And I'll tell you, I mean. Um if our listeners could visualize what these coronary arteries look like under angiography, and this is where I've been blessed, Dr. Hulsey. I mean, I, I've done about 3,000 angiograms, maybe even more myself, you know, during my fellowship training. And I, right. I did coronary arteriography the first 10 years I was out in practice. So I've seen a lot of coronary arteries um, under fluoroscopy where, you know, we would we would inject dye, you know, renal graphite material inside the coronary vasculature, and we'd see these vessels light up like a Christmas tree, so to speak, and we would see the bends in arteries, et cetera, et cetera. And you're absolutely right. And, and what happens is that there's a bend in an artery, uh, and it's these bends in arteries that if they're subject to inflammation, uh, they get wear and tear on bends, for example. Um, this is where the wear and tear and the chronic inflammation sits and then and then you said it very clearly about how plaque is laid down we call it endothelial cell dysfunction etc etc there's there's a laying down of plaque there's there's all sorts of angry macrophages and white blood cells that come in to try to clean up the mess but at the end of the day you know we get plaque development and um i'll tell you being a, a a cardiac catheterization heart specialist where I saw these visualizations, it made it crystal clear to me that inflammation at the bends of these arteries was where this plaque developed. And uh, it's just amazing. Uh, I I have to say that if you take away inflammation, (laughs) if you can stop it, you know, uh, in the body, uh, this is the greatest place to start. And I'll tell you, you said it before, it's 
the, the number one cause of inflammation in the body is sugar. I mean, let's face it, Americans eat too much sugar. Now, let me ask you. Let me American ask, is like 170 pounds a year in sugar. Right. That's now, what they're eating right now. Right. Now, and, and sugar is known to be highly inflammatory. And you'd mentioned something Correct. about insulin, and we know that insulin is highly inflammatory. Is, is what makes sugar highly inflammatory the fact that it causes the pancreas to secrete high levels of insulin, and they get insulin resistant, and it's the secondary effect of causing the rise in insulin that causes the inflammatory effect from the sugar? Yes, yes. I, I agree with that. In other words, whenever you put sugar in your mouth, uh, you're going to get an insulin response. And the now, insulin is, is, is inflammatory. It's inflammatory. It's pro-inflammatory. Let's, let's look at Europe, for example. Let's look at the greatest longevity in the entire world, where Spain and Portugal, by the way, just surpassed Okinawa. The average Okinawan lives about eight years longer than the average American. And now the Mediterranean basin, well, Portugal and Spain are on it, but Italy what was in the top five of the top five countries in the world for longevity. If you look at what's going on in the Mediterranean basin, whether you live in Greece or Crete or Israel or Libya or Spain, or wherever it is, it doesn't matter, but they're taking in olive oil. And uh, olive oil, I, I believe, is the secret source of the Mediterranean diet. Because remember, when you're using olive oil, you're not going to get an insulin response. It's a fat. Right. Fat doesn't elicit insulin. Protein, maybe to a very, very slight degree, you might get a slight increase in insulin, but it's sugar, it's sugar, it's sweets, it's carbohydrates. That's where you get an insulin response. So if the typical American diet is all about carbs and people are eating, you know, carbohydrates, breads, pastas, pastries, you know, potatoes, corn, rice, you know, all these, you know, uh, different carbohydrates, overzealously, we're going to get too much insulin. And that's probably why we have over 100 million diabetics in the country. So, you know, Americans we, we need from, to consider more healthy proteins and fats. Right. That's what we need. And so, so when, when cholesterol was made the bogeyman for heart disease, the American uh, Heart Association, even the American Diabetic Association, all, all said, look, <coughs> stay away from fats. Don't take any fats. And if you take a fat, use margarine. Don't use real. Oh, that's what they said. They, that's when margarine came about. We're going to stop. Yep. This margarine has no cholesterol in it. So don't take anything with cholesterol. No eggs, no bacon, no yep. no butter, uh, no oils. Stay away from that. Don't eat all these cheeses. What we want you to eat is a high-grain diet. Now, listen, folks, grain products, and I'm talking about wheat, and I'm talking about oats, I'm talking about rye or pumpernickel, all these are grain products. Grain products are simple carbohydrates. They're starches. Starches are sugar molecules that are hooked together. As soon as you put these in your mouth, the grain products and potatoes and rice and corn, they are immediately converted to sugar molecules. And so you get a sugar high, a rush of sugar. Your, uh, your uh, pancreas secretes insulin, trying to drive the sugar into the cells and you have high levels of insulin, you get insulin resistant, and they, then the insulin causes inflammation throughout the body and in the coronary arteries, and it also drives the sugar into fat, so you gain weight on it. And, but, they, but the Heart Association and the American Diabetic Association said, eat a high grain, whole grain, eat whole grains. Well, you're going to keep people chronically sick if they're eating whole grains because you've got them on a 
effectively a high sugar diet, which causes the inflammation, which we know causes the heart disease. And and right. interestingly enough, uh, in in you know this wasn't this the keto diet fad. I'd call it a fad right now, but it's really got a tremendous amount of merit to it. I don't know whether you recommend it or not, but we use it. I use it personally. Uh, as much as I possibly can. I slip up sometimes, but I sure eat a whole lot more oils and fats than I ever did uh, before. And and I cut down on those simple carbs. Well, my cholesterol levels you know, stay fine. They run about 210, 220, which is fine. I want them to be a little high at 69. The higher they are, the better you are, really. Uh, they show you live longer if your cholesterol levels are higher after the age of 50 than if they're low. Hey, so, the Framingham study blew everybody away. Yeah. I was, I was, uh, I was not in the study, but I was one of the doctors up there that knew the doctors. Th- these poor guys, they all believed that the cholesterol theory of heart disease, and when they realized that the people living living the longest in Framingham, Massachusetts, had the highest cholesterols. Go ahead, keep going. <laughs> well, so, um, some of my colleagues were going nuts. They said, they said it can't be. It can't be. Why are these people living so long? We'll see. <laughs> Well, that's what happened. And, you know, they still teach the cholesterol uh, yes. theory of heart yes. disease in yeah. the medical school. So I, I, had, yeah. a fr- I had a friend, uh, one, of our, one of our staff members was in the hospital. Uh, he, had a, he, had a, he had some chest pain. We took him over to the hospital. And uh, I and immediately, uh, you know, I went to talk with this young doc. And uh, he said, "Well, I put him on. Uh, I put him on statin drugs, which he may need to be. And there may be a case for that in acute heart heart disease. That's not my bailiwick." But I said, "Well, are you giving him any coenzyme Q10?" He said, "Coenzyme Q10. Why would we give him that? There's no proof that that, that cholesterol yeah. drugs cause problems with. We don't need it. Why would he doesn't need that? He looked at me like I was crazy." Join the club. I've, I've gone through that for decades, but that's okay. I mean, that's... I mean, the, I the, the material, as Sherry, Dr. Sherry Rogers said, it's not like there's not hundreds and literally thousands of studies on this issue of, of uh, heart disease and the underlying cause of heart disease and the dangers of taking the cholesterol medication, how it can adversely affect in everybody that takes it. The studies I've said, everybody has some cognitive decline whenever they take a statin drug. It may be m- minimal, but everybody, and of course some people get, uh, they get amnesia from it. And they, yeah. and, oh, yeah. and oh, they yeah. have terrible problems, some, some older folks, yeah. and they just can't function on, on cholesterol or on statin drugs. So, uh, so, so let's talk about, let's go through the causes of this inflammation. We said one of the big causes, of course, is a high sugar intake. What else causes inflammation in the coronary arteries? Well, I mean, if, if you want to group these things, I mean, it's, it's basically, had the four horsemen. you know, I mean, we mentioned sugar. Right. We should mention toxic fats because not all fats right. are alike. Right. I mean, you mentioned trans fats and you mentioned uh, margarine. These are the killer fats. Right. I mean, fortunately, we, we got most of the trans fats out of the diet, but if people are eating microwaved popcorn, for example, there's, there's still trans fats on the label. So we have to be aware of some of the toxic fats. But if people, you know, avoid, if they, if they take in the healthier fats, like the olive oils, the monounsaturated fats, certainly the omega-3s, the anti-inflammatory omega-3s are, are really good. Just avoid the toxic fats. You know, we talked about sugar. Um, certainly the environmental toxins. I mean, these, this the is something The petrochemicals that, that are everywhere. In, in this day and age right now, I mean, 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 
Um, I mean, environmental toxins really didn't, um, you know, make much of a difference because they, there weren't that many in the environment. I mean, let's face it. But uh, now there's so many toxins. I mean, the environment is inundated with toxins. I mean, I mean, the latest toxin, I guess, are the genetically modified foods right. <laughs> that are pervasive in our foods. I mean, we can't get away from toxins, whether they're insecticides, pesticides, flame retardants. I mean, certainly heavy metals. I mean, they're, they're just all over the place. Even bisphenol A, you know, when I was, right. when I was working with uh, food and, uh, uh, you know, one of my favorite... Um, because I mean, I'm, I'm Italian and I like marinara sauce and I'm, and I'm in love with lycopene from a cardiology point of view because lycopene in tomato prevents the oxidation of LDL. But when I was researching, researching tomato sauces, I found out that a lot of them were lined with BPA, bisphenol A, and I go, oh, no. So even when I did my own sauce, I had to go to a factory that did not line, you know, or they did not line their, their cans with BPA, bisphenol A. Now we're finding out that this is a major problem for, you know, sterility in women. So the environment is getting so bad from the point of view of, of toxins that we have to consider, you know, it's not just lead, mercury, and cadmium that we have to worry about, these heavy metals. We need to be very, very privy to, you know, uh, you know the pervasive amount of toxins in the, in the environment, and that's why we need liver support. You know, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is epidemic right now in our society. Thank God coenzyme Q10 is one of the, uh, you know, the, the, the miracle uh, supports of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, but that's pervasive. And one of the reasons why we're seeing so much fatty liver is, again, it's trying to deal with the toxic load in the environment. So, you know, we need more foreign infrared saunas. We need, you know, more artichoke in our diet, more milk thistle. We need to support our livers. We, we, we need to sweat out these toxins that lie below our subcutaneous fat. That's why I believe sweating is one of the healthiest things we can do. And I'll tell you this, Dr. Halsey, I'm blessed in a way because when I went all through high school and all through college, I used to participate in wrestling. And, uh, I used to sweat like crazy, and, and you know, we used to lose 10 pounds a week, and you know, we would make weight. And I did this for like you know, 12 years. I think, and by the way, when I was a, a college wrestler and a high school wrestler, I was on the ketone diet, but I didn't know about it right. back then. You know what I mean? We, we, <laughs> we, we didn't eat anything. And if we did eat something, it was fat, you know? Right. Uh, but, you know, I, I remember our coach telling us, eat the yolk of an egg or eat, eat a, one egg, uh, you know, that's, that's your whole meal, one hard-boiled egg for the day, so to speak. And that was, you know, uh, and you know the cholesterol content of, the, of an sure. egg yolk. So I'll never forget it. I, I actually experienced the, the uh, keto diet, but I didn't know it. But I, I have to tell you, I think that's one of the healthiest things I've done in my growth and development was, uh, you know, lose weight. And, uh, you know, I, I, even to this day, uh, I fast all the time because I think it's one of the healthiest things you can do. Right. I, I, uh, I, I mentioned to our new guests here when I go by and see, I go by and see all our new guests, I'm not the primary provider, but I always see any new guests at the Hotel Wellness Center when I'm in the office. And I share with them about about our healthy eating plan. I don't believe in diets, and I don't encourage people to go on diets because that's something you do, and it's not a lifestyle. It's something you do for a time, and then what are you going to fall back to? You're going to fall back to what you did before. So what I encourage people to do is, why don't you just think of it, we're going to have a healthy eating, we're going to eat healthy for our, the rest of our lives, because we're going to, uh, instead of living to eat, we're going to eat to live. And 
my, my I tell people what my eating program is is real simple. I get up in the morning. I'll have I have two cups of coffee and I have a tablespoon of coconut oil in each cup of coffee with some stevia. I drink two cups. I'm not hungry all day. Don't eat the rest of the day. And I get home and I'll have uh, I'll have the same thing almost every day: chopped broccoli, chopped spinach, chopped pecans, a few raspberries, olive oil, and balsamic vinegar salad. And then I have broccoli and steamed spinach with some butter on it and a little bit of meat. That's what I eat every day. So I fast, basically it's a 24-hour fast with the exception of the coffee and the coconut oil. And some days I'll fast, you know, uh, I'll fast maybe 36 hours. I'll go overnight or maybe I'll fast 48. But fasting is very, it's very helpful to you. It can be not only physically helpful to you, but as you know, it spiritually can be very helpful to you. So it's uh, it's been it's beneficial, and my wife, for instance, she fasts every other week. She'll fast forty eight hours every other week. She she'd like to do it every week, and she had some she had some plaque buildup in her arteries, uh, and interestingly enough, it was at a level of about three sixty when we took it uh, two years ago. And in nine months, getting on a good healthy eating plan, fasting uh, uh, two days a week, and getting back on her vitamins and minerals and everything, she went from 360 to 275. So she had a, 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 a an arrest and reversal of, of her heart oh, that's disease. That's great. That's great. That, I mean, I've seen that in my practice all the time. And, you know, we used to give pomegranate green tea, and and I'm and I'm a big, you know, supporter of MK7, metoquinone 7, which, again, takes out calcium out of blood vessels and it puts it back in bones where it belongs. I... I met with the original two Danish researchers at Yale New Haven Hospital about 14 years ago, and uh, uh, I looked at their research, and you know anybody with plaque development should be taking MK7. I, I take 300 micrograms a day. I strongly believe in it. Let me just let me ask you about the calcification of the arteries. I have found uh, we at the Hotel Health and Wellness Center we have a CT scan, and we do. Yeah. We do an upper body scan. It scans the lungs and scans the heart. So we get a calcif- we get a calcium score on right. everybody that comes in. That's every man over the age of forty, every woman over the age of fifty. That's just and and sometimes we get them when they're a little bit younger. I've had I have a good friend of mine who's thirty seven years old and he had a two hundred and fifty score on his calcium at, at, at thirty eight. Well, you know if it grows by thirty percent a year in ten years, a guy could be ripe for a heart attack in his late late fifties or. I'm sorry, in his late 40s. Even, even before. Yeah. yeah. Even before. So that's concerning. And, and and do you do much in the way of uh, CT heart scans? Yeah, actually, um, I was involved with the Dematis Heart Center on Long Island about 25 years ago, um, where um, they had an Imatron scanner. It's one of the best right. scanners in the country. So I was actually doing CT scans of the coronaries that long ago. And, uh, I, I've strongly believed in it because one of the things that, uh, as a heart specialist that I was involved with, was with plaque reversal. And plaque reversal is really important. In other words, you're absolutely right. If plaque is being laid down by inflammation and it increases uh, every decade to a significant degree, you know, we have to really reverse plaque. So um, I was always getting CT scans of my patients, uh, you know, using, you know, plaque reversal measures. You know, we mentioned a few of them, green tea, pomegranate. MK7. I mean, there's there's lots of things you can take to, you know, even omega-3s will cut down on the inflammation. But, you know, the problem with most Americans is 
again, this high sugary diet, highly inflammatory plaque development. So we need measures to look at plaque reversal. And uh, the more we can do it, the better we're at because, you know, it's not the 90% plaque that kills us. It's the 30% plaque that ruptures, right. <laughs> you know, under emotional stress. And we didn't even talk about that as, as one of the four horsemen of heart disease. But, you, you know, you can have like a 30% plaque. You're under severe panic or stress or, you know, or, um, emotional turmoil. And your blood pressure goes up. And all of a sudden you have a plaque rupture. Now you have a 30% lesion that is a 100% lesion. And now you have a major heart attack. Right. So it's not the, the um, uh, high plaque development that causes, although it, it, it could certainly can cause obstruction of the vessels, it's the plaque rupture, you know, the smaller deposits that we have to worry about as well. So here at the Hotel Health and Wellness Center, we recommend and encourage, in fact, we have every new guest is going to, every new patient or guest at our center is going to have a CT scan. And, and we, we have recommended to all the guests we've had over the years, get your heart scanned. I can't tell you how important that is because you, there's no possible way for you to know if you have any coronary artery disease, if you non-invasively, there's no non-invasive way to determine that without doing a heart scan. Uh, that's the way you do it. You can have a stress electrocardiogram and have a patient, well, I had a stress EKG and it was normal. And we get them on a heart scan, we find out they've got significant coronary artery disease uh, based upon their heart scan. Or they say, well, I had an echocardiogram. Or, and they've had these various studies and tests. And they're, or a stress test. Or a stress test. And their doctors have said, well, you're fine. You don't, and they don't recommend a CT scan of the heart, which I don't understand that. I know Dr. Bill Davis does that routinely, as do you. I've got a, one of my brother-in-laws, this, uh, you know, six months ago, up and died at 67 in good health after yeah. fishing offshore. And uh, he used to call me up, well, what do you think I ought to do? But he, he never came in. Some of the other brother-in-laws have come in to see me, but he didn't because he had a good friend who was a cardiologist. Well, he never did a heart scan on him. I'd like to know what yeah. the heart scan would have shown. It's a shame. So I'd recommend wherever you are listening to this, if you're here in town, come by the Hotel Health and Wellness Center, have a heart scan done to find out what condition your heart is. That'll tell you something. And what I think it's good, Doc, uh, Dr. Uh, Sinatra, is when an individual sees that they have calcification in their arteries, it gives them a reason to make a change. Otherwise, you're floating along, think you're doing well, and you and I both know half the people that have their first heart attack never make it to the hospital. They're dead on arrival. They're gone. So, And it comes totally unexpected. You know, the people that have their first heart attack, people say, well, oh, John was doing fine. He was a jogger. He jogged all the time. Yeah. You know, I have a good friend of mine, a doc friend, who was a big jogger, thin and trim. Now, I doubt he was taking magnesium, so he probably went out and ran and they got an irregular rhythm or something. And like uh, Jim Fix did, you remember him back in the old days, run for your life. Oh, yeah. and he ended up dying at 59 of a heart attack on, while he's running. And what happens if you're sweating out magnesium, folks? So if you're a runner, be sure to take copious amounts of magnesium, six to eight hundred to a thousand milligrams a day of that, because you're sweating out your magnesium. If for any reason you get an irregular heart rhythm, that can be fatal for you if you if you don't have enough magnesium. So that's really important. And anyway, this uh, doctor friend of mine, you know, big jogger, just dropped dead. He probably never had a heart scan either. So I want to recommend. For any of you out there in the listening audience, please, 
please get yourself a CT heart scan, and then you'll know what whether or not you have any coronary artery disease or not. If it's a zero, that's great. Chances of you dying of heart disease are slim and none. But if it's built up, if you've got a buildup on your arteries, uh, that's going to grow 30% a year, and it doesn't take it compounding at 30% a year. It doesn't take long for that to be a huge number and severely damage your coronary arteries, which will which will put you in a dramatically increased risk factor for getting heart disease. It's a much more important study than getting a cholesterol level, for crying out loud. How many people have died of heart attacks with normal cholesterol levels? About half of the people that have heart attacks. Uh, half. Half of them. That's right. Half, so don't think, well, my cholesterol is really good. I don't need to worry. Ask your doctor, will you let me please have a, uh, have a heart scan? And, uh, or you can just go get one. We, we do them here at the Hotel Health and Wellness Center. You can come in, even without being a guest, you can come in and have that done. It will give you a score. You can give it to your doc, or you can decide to get it on our natural program. And it's program. painless, non-invasive, takes about 10 minutes. Yeah. It's so easy to get it done. I just don't see any reason anybody wouldn't want to know the status of their heart. So we're, we're real strong on that because I've lost friends and loved ones who didn't do that. And I know we could have addressed that and corrected it, and they'd still be alive. Well, doctor, we've covered... Well, I'll tell you, I, I've had two heart scans. I had yep. one when I was 50, and I had one when I was 60. I haven't had one since, um, just because of the radiation factor. Right. I mean, I, but I was zero at 50 and zero at 60. You're so going to be I, fine. I hope I'm still around zero. Well, sure, you're going to be... Oh, sure. <laughs> well, you're going to be. At, at, at that age, it shows up long before that. And and I've had, uh, even with... Uh, I've had some providers say, well, we don't want to give them that radiation. I said, look... They're going to die of a heart. Their chance of dying a heart attack is dramatically more uh, probable than them dying of radiation sickness. I of promise course. you. You know, yeah. find out these people are dying by the. You know, you've got six hundred thousand people dying a year of heart disease, and and how many more millions have heart attacks and are debilitated for life? So uh, right. get yourself a heart scan. We, uh, Doctor Sinatra's had heart scans. I get a heart scan. Mine's zero now at sixty nine. I doubt I'll do another one. You know, why would I need to? Uh, I've been fine for the last uh, 20 years. So anyway, doctor, this has been very good. So we've we've discussed the most important thing, folks, I want you to get out of the conversation with Dr. Um, Sinatra is this. One, there's a, there's a myth about cholesterol. Cholesterol does not cause heart disease. Half the people that die of heart attacks don't have elevated cholesterol. It has made a bogeyman, and the pharmaceutical companies made it the bogeyman so that they could create a drug to treat cholesterol as if it was a disease. It's not uh, in most patients. There are a few patients that have family, uh, uh, family uh, genetic disorders with very extremely elevated cholesterol, but that's only a fraction of the people. The average person's cholesterol is not a problem. It's not going to lead to his developing coronary artery disease, but the pharmaceutical companies have come up with this concept, ah, oh, we got elevated cholesterol, let's make it the bogeyman, and let's make a drug to lower cholesterol. And so they have sold to the public the whole concept that you've got to get your cholesterol down, and they've sold it to the docs so much that now, even if your cholesterol is just 200, they want to get it down to 180 or 140 or 130, and we know that low cholesterol levels cause mental problems that adversely affects your hormones, your ability to think clearly, uh, your ability to make vitamin D on your own. Every cell in your body has a cholesterol wrap around it. And once you suck that cholesterol out, your cells don't work as well. And also, when you take the statin drugs, it 
it prevents the production of a very important molecule called coenzyme Q10, which is intrinsically important for the development of energy within your power plants and your cells, which, of course, you know are called the mitochondria. You've got to have coenzyme Q10 for the proper transfer of the electricity that's produced within the power plants. When you don't have that, you can give, the, uh, you can give these, uh, anti, these statin drugs, and then you don't make the coenzyme Q10, which has a dramatic effect on energy production within the heart because the heart cells have thousands of mitochondria within them to produce energy because the heart has to produce a lot of energy. And when your coenzyme Q, tevel, uh, Q, coenzyme Q levels are low or they're blocked, by the statin drugs, that's going to affect the ability of your heart to generate energy. And it's got to lead to increased risk of, of congestive heart failure. Am I wrong about that? Well, I mean, uh, sure. I mean, you, it, it can. So, uh, no, and what, what do you do? And what do you do when you find patients with congestive heart failure? What do you inevitably give them? You give them coenzyme, you give them coenzyme Q10. I know that from of reading. Course, it's my, that's it's your my go- go-to nutrient. Uh, for heart failure. So, so I, I actually like the awesome foursome. I wrote about it in my metabolic cardiology book, but I like D-ribose, CoQ10, carnitine, and magnesium. And, and say that again. Slow it, down. Here, here. This is a. This is his four horsemen for heart health. Repeat those again, Doc. Yeah, it's it's L-carnitine, D-ribose, coenzyme Q10, and magnesium, and and I and I really feel that um, these four nutrients are driving ATP, which is the energy of life, uh, in a preferential direction. And somebody is going to discover this someday, Dr. Holtz. It's not me, but I really feel that whenever you drive ATP in the right direction, they're signaling maybe the exosomes in our body to maybe to stimulate our own intrinsic stem cells to um, uh, actually um, fortify the heart. In other words... I've been using metabolic cardiology for years, and I've had patients uh, with, quote, almost dead hearts after a, a, a massive heart attack. And all of a sudden, if they live 5, 10, 15, 20 years, their ejection fractions went from 15% to 45 to 50%. And we could never understand why, but I'll tell you, with the stem cell revolution, I really think that uh, uh, metabolic cardiology is invigorating uh, our own stem cell intrinsic healing capabilities because we all have that. I mean, we, sure. we all have our own intrinsic stem cells, and I, and I just feel that somebody other than me will discover that. But I think it's the raw materials. In other words, it's the gasoline for our engines that, uh, you know, the CoQ10, magnesium, D-ribose, and carnitine is sort of our own intrinsic energy that will drive our uh, stem cells in the right direction for, you know, cardiac rejuvenation. That's exactly right. And now this is very interesting because we do exosome treatment here at the Hotsey Health and Wellness Center. We've just uh, initiated this new program, this new regenerative medicine program, and we consider ourselves practicing regenerative medicine because we use natural hormones that decline. We treat for people for yeast overgrowth, which causes toxicities. We also use vitamins and minerals we use a good exercise program and a healthy eating program. All these things uh, stimulate the stem cells to activity, to revitalize themselves and to keep the body healthy as we age so we don't deteriorate. Rather, we, may, we 
maintain and obtain health and wellness in our stem cells, and that keeps us rejuvenated. It keeps our bodies regenerated, revitalized. And using the exosomes on top of that, uh, stem cell exosomes is really a new level in the in uh, in regenerative medicine. But it's interesting that you say that your four horsemen uh, using D-ribose, magnesium, L-carnitine, and uh, coenzyme Q10 that you have taken people with heart failure that have really been bedridden. They can't get up and walk across a room. They have a 15 or 20% ejection fraction, and now they're back up to 45 or 50 or 55, and they're back to normal. Now, that's remarkable. And, and, and the question is, why don't all the other cardiologists follow your lead or Dr. Davis's lead or other cardiologists that do this because it's out there and it works. What have you found about your fellow cardiologists? Have you had some that say, golly, Steve, that's great. What do I need to do to help my patients? And tell me what the formula is and I, let me try it on them. Surely there's been somebody that have say, has said oh, that. Oh, yeah. I mean, some are very receptive and others aren't. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just a way of life. I mean, I... I saw a young boy when he was nine years old who was dying from heart failure, and his parents are crying in my office. And uh, he was dying because I couldn't find a matched heart for him. Now he's 32 years old. He's the oldest living what we call singlet outlet ventricle in the world. He's refused heart transplantation three times now as an adult, and he's still taking metabolic cardiology. And, you know, when he when he goes to the you know, to the hospitals in New England, you know, where he has his routine right. checkups and stuff like that, you would think that the cardiologist would say, geez, you know, why don't I this try is this? amazing. What's going on? You know, How why are you do still this? alive? Right. And, and, and the cardiologists, they see him and they say, keep doing the same thing. Keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. But they won't adopt Whatever it. you're doing, just keep doing it. I don't want to, don't tell me about it. Just do whatever you're doing. It seems yeah, like. Don't tell me what's working. Just, you're fine. Just keep doing it. You know what I mean? Well, <laughs> Here, no, I see that all the time. I mean, well, I've, I've had a lot of kids that uh, you know are waiting for heart transplants uh, and are still alive now. So, well, geez, I, re I remember one reporter from Brazil. He tracked me down and he flew into uh, uh, Florida to see me. Um, his daughter had tetralogy of Fallot. You got to have an operation for that, or else you die by three or four years old. And she's fifteen because they can never afford to. You know, this, you know that type of surgery is sure. several hundred thousand dollars. Right. I mean, that's 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 a that's a, a very very sophisticated surgery with a lot of um, uh, hospital time and recovery time. And and she's like 16 years old, and she sent me a video of herself and uh, you know thanking me for metabolic cardiology. So there's something s special about metabolic cardiology. And 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 again, I really think it's turning on. Or it, it's given the raw materials for our own intrinsic stem cells to mobilize right. and to take over. But, you know, somebody is going to discover that link. Well, interestingly enough, I just read Dr. Reardon's book, and uh, down at his clinic in, in Panama, they treat people for congestive heart failure by giving uh, IV stem cell exosome therapy. And they've had yeah. dramatic results doing that, which, is, which follows what you're saying. Yeah, I, I mean, it makes sense. It makes total sense to me. So, you know. well, thank you for being an innovator. Thank you for being willing to go against the grain. Thank you for being willing to think out of the box for for challenging conventional thinking. All progress in medicine and in any field of life always comes from 
innovators, people who are willing to challenge the orthodoxy of the time. They're willing to challenge the conventional thinking that other people aren't. And the reason the reason most people don't challenge it, one, they don't like to go against the herd. They like to be in the herd. And my mother told me, if you're in the herd, folks, Steve, if you're in the herd, you're going to get stampeded, you're going to get run over, you're going to go off a cliff. Get away from the herd. And so you've done that. You've moved away from the herd and provided leadership that there are individuals like myself and other doctors around the country that have adopted your protocols. Why? Because they work, for crying out loud in a bucket. If you want to be successful, folks, let me just tell you this. I'm telling you from a, as a doctor, and you can learn it in life. If you want to be successful in your field, find somebody who's successful. Meet with them. Read their material. Talk to them. Let them mentor you and do exactly what they do. Everything they do, if they're successful and you do what they do, you're going to be successful too. And then as you mature and try there, you may have some more innovation that you can add to that. But that's the way to be successful. And any success that I have, I'm, my success has been built on the shoulders of men like Dr. Stephen Sinatra and other physicians that, are, that have been willing to challenge the status quo and come up with innovative um, therapies to help people obtain and maintain health and wellness naturally. And Dr. Sinatra is one of that. Now, let me encourage you to go. He's got numerous books. He's got The Great Cholesterol Myth. He's got uh, Heart Sense for Women, Coenzyme Q10 Phenomena, Optimal Health, the life's, uh, natural life-saving prescription for your body and mind, Heartbreak and Disease, The Sinatra Solution on Metabolic Cardiac, and numerous other books. I mean, he's a, he's prolific. a, prolific, a prolific author. You can find his books. You could go to Amazon. Sinatra spelled like Frank Sinatra. <laughs> and I'm sure he's probably related in some way or another. I'm sure there's a relationship there. I think you told me there was in some way. So, And I don't know if you're a crooner, but you probably like to listen to Frank <laughs> Sinatra. I have a funny feeling. I love it. I love that, I love that genre of music. But Dr. Sinatra's books can be found on Amazon. You can go to his website, Dr. Sinatra, drsinatra.com. He's got one on healthy eating called Vervana. V is in victory. E R V is in victory. A N A. Vervana.com. And not only does he help individuals, human beings like you and me, get healthy and well, but he also helps animals. So he has another website called agelesspaws.com. Ageless. A G E L E S. Pause. Coke 10 for. For dogs, isn't Coke that right? Coke for dogs, healthy treats right, for dogs right. and cats. Yeah. And go to that website uh, and take a look. Dr. Sinatra is always looking for ways to solve people's problems. He solves their health problems as humans. And then he said, you know, I like dogs a lot and, and pets. I'm going to help them solve their problems as well because guess what? They have similar problems to we do because they're mammals. And so Dr. Sinatra has products for your dogs and cats as well. And you know, as, as uh, Dr. Sinatra, my dad used to tell me, son, you should have been a veterinarian. People have spent a lot more money taking care of their animals than they will of, them, of themselves or their family as far as their health goes, and I think that's probably true. So for those of you that have those wonderful pets that you just can't live without and you want them to be healthy and well, go to agelesspaws.com. Dr. Sinatra, thank you for joining us again 
on Dr. Hotsey's Wellness Revolution. Yes, and if you want to find out more information about getting a heart scan, you can call us at 281-698-8698. That's 281-698-8698. And we did talk a lot about supplements, so you can go to hotseyvitamins.com. And if you want to get on a path of health and wellness naturally, if you're sick and tired Mm -hmm. of being sick and tired, and you want to adopt a natural approach to health so you can rejuvenate yourself and be full of vim and vigor, have energy, vitality, and enthusiasm for life, then give us a call here at the Hotsey Health and Wellness Center. And again, that's 281-698-8698. Thank you so much. A special thanks to Physicians Preference Pharmacy, formerly Hotsey Pharmacy, proud sponsor of Dr. Hotsey's Wellness Revolution podcast. Information provided on this radio program is neither intended nor implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice and is not intended to replace the services of a physician, nor does it constitute a doctor-patient relationship. You should not use information from this radio program to diagnose or treat a health problem or disease without consulting with a qualified health care provider. If you have or suspect you have an urgent medical problem, promptly contact a professional health care provider or call 911. Dr. Hotze's Wellness Revolution radio program advises you to always seek the advice of a physician or other qualified health provider prior to starting any new treatment or with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Any application of the recommendations from this radio program is at the listener's discretion.